All right, Parshas Ve'eschanan. Um, as always, uh, before we, of course, before I forget, uh, as always, a shout out to everybody sponsoring the Shear on Patreon.com. You can support the Shear if you'd like on Patreon.com slash Rabbi Herman. Um, and just a reminder that uh, I think most of those are recurring monthly, so if you intended it as uh, just a one-time donation, so make sure to check that. Um, and let me know if I can, I'm happy to, you know, give money back if that's what the intention was. But really, again, thank you so, so much to everybody uh, helping make this uh, this sheer possible. Okay, Parsha's Vatchanan is a beautiful Parsha. It's mamish beautiful Parsha. If you just go through some of the lines and some of the words that Moshe tells B'nai Yisrael, uh, it's it's really, really unbelievable. Just a, just a quick recap, and then we'll hopefully do it justice. Um, you know, you could really spend like a week, like every day, Learning Parshas Vashanas. Anyways, Moshe recounts how he davened to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, uh, to let him into Eretz Yisrael, and Hashem said no. Right, that's Vashanan and El Hashem that Moshe davened to Hashem. That's what he was uh, hoping for. We'll have to talk about that. Obviously, that's the, the beginning of the Parsha. Moshe tells Bnei Yisrael to listen to all the mitzvos, right? Not to add and not to subtract. He says beautiful things like, "Who is Bnei, who, who? How great is Am Yisrael? Right? Who has Hakadosh Baruch Hu so close to them? Has there been ever? Has there ever been anything as amazing as hearing?" Kosh Baruch Hu speak on Har Sinai. Uh, he recaps uh, Maimon Har Sinai uh, and the revelation in great depth. Uh, he points out that even though he's not going into Israel, so Bnei Israel are going into Israel. Right? He warns them about worshiping other gods, uh, saying that the Kosh Baruch will kick them out of Israel if they do so. Uh, we have the laning of Tishabov. Right? So a lot of uh, you know, listen. If you don't do uh, keep the Torah, so Kosh Baruch Hu is going to exile you, and etc. etc. All those bad stuff. That's the Kriya Torah for Tishabov. Moshe kind of, uh, as they say, waxes poetic about Akosh Baruch who loved our forefathers, right? Loved the Avos, took us out of uh, Mitzrayim, takes care of us. He has says beautiful lines like Enod Melvado, uh, things that we've heard of before. Uh, Moshe briefly sets aside the Ir Miklat that we talked about briefly in Parshish Masse. Um, the main, I guess, the most famous part of Parshish Veschanan is that the uh, Moshe repeats the Aseris Adibros. Um, and uh, he repeats it and recaps it differently than it is in Parshas Yisro. And again, we could probably spend the entire shear on the differences between the, the Aseris Adibros in Yisro and the Aseris Adibros in Vashanan. The most famous one that you're familiar with is simply Zachor Vishamor, right? the two ways that Kosh Barakal tells us to keep Shabbos. Um, mitzvah's Asa, Mitzvah's Los Asa. Okay, that's really okay. You guys are familiar, hopefully, Mitzvah Shem. And if you're not, don't, don't worry about it. It's uh, it's okay. Uh, it, we have the Pesukim of Shema Yisrael and Vahavta, right? The first parts of Shema. Uh, Moshe tells Bnei Yisrael, he, uh, he basically end off uh, with a warning not to get lazy religiously when, you know, being blessed and prospering. Uh, realize it's always from HaGosh Baruch Hu, right? Keep the Torah, teach it to future generations. Uh, don't intermarry with any other nations in Eretz Canaan. Make sure to get rid of them. Right? And, and finally, Moshe again gives them chizik and reminds them that Bnei Israel are a holy nation uh, and uh, you know Baruch Hu's chosen nation. That's how the parsha ends. So really, again, if you have a chance to go through some of the text, right? this year is not really conducive to going through text and kind of like uh, you know analyzing. But we'll try and mention a couple of beautiful lines. But really, do yourself a favor and kind of read through the parsha because it really is. Filled with like awesome, awesome stuff. Okay, uh, let's let's talk about tefillah. Obviously, the, the way the parsha starts, got to mention how uh, how tefillah works. Got to recap that, even though again, I'm sure you heard this stuff in, in Sem, uh, but we're gonna apply it back to our parsha 
uh, and see and try and get a little bit of a greater understanding of what was going on when Moshe daven to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, uh, and then Hashem did not let him uh, into Eretz Yisrael. So again, how does how does tefillah work? So again, tefillah is difficult. Again, we're going to go do we're not going to do this justice either. We'll go through it as quick as possible. Hopefully, the stuff that we need uh, to kind of understand uh, the Rashi's and the Midrashim on the parsha. So tefillah is difficult for many people because, frankly, we view it to be paradoxical. Right, some of the many questions that come up about tefillah is uh, if Akash Baruch Hu decided X and now I daven, so Hashem is going to change his mind and, and give me Y. Like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Right? We're, Akash Baruch Hu is Akash Baruch Hu. We obviously decided that for a reason and we're just human beings. Another question that comes up is, you know, I, I, you know it's the same Shemun Esrei. I say it three times a day. What, Hashem forgot what I said six hours ago. Hashem forgot what I said yesterday. Right? Why do we need to say this three times a day? We always say the same thing. Another question that comes up in tefillah is that why do you need to tell Akash Baruch Hu what you want? Right? Hashem is Hashem. He knows. Believe me. He knows. He knows better than you do. So what? We need to tell Akash Baruch Hu what we want. We need to articulate that. And obviously, there are a lot more questions. But those are kind of the three that will get us jump started. Now, I will just mention in passing that there is actually an approach in Jewish thought that says, yes, when Hashem created this physical world, he, Kiviyachol, was, uh, the phrase is, mitzansem himself, he kind of, shrunk himself in this area and made it as if he doesn't know what we want and yes we do have to tell him what we want right Rupinkas discusses this at length but that's not really the mainstream approach uh rather we're going to talk about the Chobos Alavavos the Sefer Achinuch or Reverse right we're going to we're going to talk about that how does that work exactly so again the word Hebrew in Hebrew for davening is Lehit Palel Right, lehit palel means to daven. What does that mean? Right, again, the word daven doesn't really mean anything. We know what we're doing. We know what we're talking about. But what does davening mean? So the word lehit palel is easier to define. Hit palel in Hebrew. I'm definitely not a Hebrew guy and a grammar guy, but it's in the hit pael tense. It's in hit pael means a reflexive tense, i.e., you're doing the verb in question to yourself. So the word lehit palel means to palel to yourself. So what is the word pilel? What is that shoresh? Pei lamed lamed. What does that mean? So Rashi says. Uh, so Yaakov says to Yosef at the end of uh, Sefer Brachos, "Ro'ofanecha lo filalti." To see your face, I never pileled. And Rashi says over there that it never thought, I never occurred, I never filled my heart to think that I would see you again. So pilel means to again to think, to occur, to fill your heart and think. So lehit pilel means to think. To yourself, to th- fill your heart and think and, and analyze to yourself. It's to think about yourself. So with that kind of like reframing of what tefillah is, it's not begging God for stuff. It's kind of using the text of the tefillah to think about yourself. Now it becomes a little bit more clear why, for example, we say the same tefillah three times a day. It's not that Hashem forgot what we said like a couple hours ago. No, we're training ourselves Right to to understand these concepts, to realize that Rafua comes from Hashem and Parnasa comes from Hashem, right, etc., etc. Obviously, Hashem knows what you want, but you, but we, we need to internalize that all these things come from Akash Baruch Hu. So what? I, and we're not trying to change Akash Baruch Hu's mind. That's obviously not what we're doing. Right? What we're trying to do is we're trying to grow our own understanding and and knowledge and focus. About what Akash Baruch Hu in this world. We're trying to internalize how Akash Baruch Hu relates to this world, how this world works. And when you do that, right, when you come to know Hashem better, so then you're growing spiritually, right? You're on another level. And what happens is, as a result, is that the judgment that you were got, given, right, the decisions that were made when you were on, I don't know, level 10, 
So now you're on level 10.1, right? You're almost a different person. You're a different level person. And now you get a different set of kalim. You get a different set of, you get a different judgment. Maybe you're Zoha to more Parnasa, whatever it is. Right? It's obviously a lot more to discuss, but, but that's, that's the lead-in basically to our parsha Because Moshe says, that I dive into a Kosh Baruch Hu, right? I dive into Hashem, and he said no. And the Kosh Baruch Hu answered them, we'll, we'll just read the Pesukim in a second. But Rashi, on, that, on the first Rashi, I think it's the first Rashi, first Rashi over here with the Chumash, yeah, that even though, fascinating Rashi, that Chinun, right, Vayet Chanan, usually we, Moshe didn't say Vayet Palel, right? he said Vayet Chanan. So he said, Rashi says, Chinun, what does that mean? Is a Lashon, is a, is a language of Matanos Chinam, that he's asking for a gift for free. Right? Even though, I'm just paraphrasing Rashi, even though the Tzadikim, could theoretically make their tefillos dependent on their 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 righteous deeds, their maseim atovim, right? Their 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 mitzvos. All that tzaddikim asks for is a free gift. So so what, what does that mean? What what does mean what does it mean that Moshe is asking for a free gift? Furthermore, the Medrash says that Moshe daven five hundred and fifteen times. That's the gematria of Eschana. Pnei Yeshua and Brachos and Daflama Beis says again. I don't know if it's well known, but he says that when Hashem said later, right, just to quote the Pesukim over here, Moshe is talking about how I dive into a Kosh Baruch Hu, and I said, please Hashem, let me go into Eretz Yisrael. So Vayomer Hashem Eilai Ravlach. Hashem said to me, it's enough. Al Tosef Tabarilai Odbadavarazah. I don't want to hear another word. Do not speak another word about this matter. Says the Pnei Yoshua, if Moshe would have dive in 516 times instead of 515, he would have been answered. And HaKosh Baruch Hu would have had to let him go into Eretz Yisrael. So Hashem literally told him, don't open your mouth. Not another word. Also, what does this mean? What is Hashem like just annoyed that, you know, like a kid who's asking his father for a lollipop, he asks him 515 times. If he asks one more time, the father's just going to give in. So no, so that's not obviously, as we've been trying to illustrate for the last minute or two, davening is not necessarily about asking, right? The ikr of davening is not asking for something. It's not getting something. Right, Hashem would not have been like, okay, fine, just leave me alone. Right, but as we've explained, when a person hits a level that the judgments are different, right? When Kosh Baruch Hu always gives a person right what they need to grow, right? Kosh Baruch Hu is always giving you what you need to get to the next level. When a person hits a certain level, they get a different set of uh, of instructions, a different set of kalim, a different set of utensils in order to, to keep on climbing higher. Had Moshe hit that level. Hashem would have, quote-unquote, been forced to give it to him. Not because it would have been annoying that Moshe was pestering him, but that was, would have been what Moshe was zocha to. And for whatever reason, Kosh Baruch decided it was more beneficial for Moshe to get his slight, tiny punishment in this world for his minuscule sins and didn't want him to reach that level. So Hashem said, do not speak. But tefillah will get you. The Koch tefillah, realize what this is. Tefillah will get you to a higher level, and then you'll be zocha to that. So back to Rashi. When Rashi says that tzaddikim don't rely on their good deeds, they ask for a free gift, means that they're not really talking, asking for something. That they're, what do they, they're asking Hashem for stuff because they're trying to train themselves to realize that everything comes from a Kosh Baruch Hu, right? And they realize that if true judgment is that if we're asking Kosh Baruch Hu, who knows and understands all the judgments in the world, our, how our hearts desires, you can't base it on your mitzvot and the good deeds that you did, what are that? Well, it's nothing. What is that? He can analyze all the different understandings and thought processes that we had. Our mitzvot are worth nothing. So the tzaddikim understand that they're asking for matnoschina. Says the Sfas an unbelievable question. He says, where in the world did Rashi get that from? Where do you see it in the Pasuk? 
Right? Moshe Davin to Hashem didn't use his righteousness. Where does it say that? Right? And furthermore, Moshe's tefillah wasn't even answered. Right? Maybe if Moshe would have mentioned his great deeds, he would have been answered. So like we've been saying, Rav Nassim Tzvi Finkel quotes Rav Chaim Kamil, who was a Rosh Hashiva Ofakim, who died about 20 years ago. Right? He was a, he was a chavar of his. He's a Talmud of Rosh Chaim Shmolevet in the mirror. So he said that Moshe wasn't asking to get into Eretz Yisrael. Yes, that's what he was asking for. But that wasn't the purpose of his Vetchanan, of his tefillah. Right? Obviously, he would have liked that. That's what the tefillah, that was the request he was using to understand a Kosh Baruch better. But his intention was Vetchanan El Hashem. Right? He's trying to get closer to Kosh Baruch right? to get to Kirvas Hashem, to get closer to God. Like David said, David Amalek writes, I need Kirvas Elohim Right, Getting close to God, that's what's good for me. And that's what's objectively good, says Mesir Hashem. Right? Even though obviously Moshe wanted his tefillah to be answered, his main tefillah was El Hashem. Right? He was davening without any inhibitions. Right, whether it would be accepted or not. And based on what we've been saying, this makes a lot of sense. Right? Davening is not necessarily about asking for stuff. It's about greatering, that's not a word, it's about greatering, whatever, our understanding of Akash Baruch Hu and how this world works and growing our spiritual level, right? having more of an, an acknowledgement, an understanding, a realization about how this world works. It's not about begging God for stuff. And this was Moshe was doing. And that's how you know he wasn't asking for stuff. Because if he was, he could have been like, hey, Kosh Baruch listen, I've had a pretty good career so far. Can you just like throw me a bone here? And like, you know, based on my my mitzvos and my schusim. Yeah, that says the Swasamas. That's how Rashi knows he was asking for a free gift. He wasn't relying on his mycin. Nothing sweet quotes of Gemara and Tainus. Fascinating Gemara at the end of Tainus. Dafchav Gemel. That Rav Yitzchak Ben Al-Yashiv used to be able to daven for anything he wanted, and Kosh Baruch Hu would grant it. Fascinating. He, this time, this Amora, I guess, had the koach to get whatever he wanted. But, a couple of people came to him and said, hey, 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 can we get some stuff? Uh, and, and it was like a spiritual thing, like they asked him for chokhmah, and he said a phrase, fascinating phrase, he says, Imi haisa ushlachtiv. I had this power in me, but I sent it away, I got rid of it. He says, nothing to me. Why, why in the world would he do that? So it explains that because the goal of davening is not to get stuff, right? It's to get closer to Gosh Baruch Hu. If Rabbi Yitzchak Ben Al-Yashir saw that he wasn't getting closer to Gosh Baruch Hu because he was just getting stuff all the time, again, sometimes, unfortunately, sometimes needing things, right? Being a little bit more desperate, needing a Gosh Baruch Hu brings us closer to him, right? We, get, we start getting a little more desperate in our tefillah. We start relying on Gosh Baruch Hu alone as opposed to other things. Right? That we say in the end of the every single day. Right? Sometimes the Kosh Baruch Hu makes us a little desperate so that we reach out and realize that Hashem is the only one uh, who can take care of us. Right? There have been, uh, I don't know if you big guys have been following on like the, on like the news, there have been some terrible tragedies the last couple of days in Am Yisrael. There's a Jew who was shot and killed in, in Washington, in D.C. Uh, it was just today there was a bus that ran over uh, kids outside a mall in, in Yushalayim. Uh, like terrible, like like Lo'alenu, right? Rahman al What what do we do? What is our response to that? Our response is, yeah, we sometimes we can't do anything but cry out to Kosh Baruch Those kids, I mean, Rahman Someone's going to get Kosh Baruch has a judgment, and there's a judgment. We can't really understand, obviously, but but our response is to have a munibitachon that Kosh Baruch knows what's going on. And that's what we do when things get desperate. So Rabbi Yitzchak passed on that ability to get whatever he wanted. Because to get whatever he wanted was not the goal. 
Right? The goal, yes, obviously we want. We ask Hashem for refuah and parnasa and health and, and das and all this type of stuff. And so we can, you know, get closer to our coach. But it's to really the purpose of davening is to increase our knowledge and awareness of our coach Baruch. Nelson Sweet further proves it just to finish off. He proves it from another puzzle in our parsha. Well, pretty, I don't know. I, I referenced it before. I, I keep on trying to hold myself back from saying it's famous because when if you don't know it and I say it's famous, then you feel bad. It's not famous. It's just a beautiful puzzle. It How great is a nation that has a Kosh Baruch that's so close to them that, that, they, that Hashem is our God whenever we call out to Him. And most people, I think, assume that that means that how great is it that we have a, that we have a God who will answer our tefillos whenever we call out. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says in Matzah Tzvi, what does it say? Right? It says, how great is our nation that it has a God so close to them when they call out to Him. Because the purpose of calling out to Gosh Baruch Hu is to get closer to Him. It's not to get stuff. Right? That's what we're talking about. But Davening gives us the chance to pause our day, to reflect on where everything is coming from. Right? That's why the Yitzhahara is so good and so focused on getting us to space out when we're davening. Right? Have you ever seen anything like this in your life? We don't space out more in any other activity than davening. Right? This is why when the, the reward is great, the Yitzhahara tries to work hard. Right? When, you're, uh, you know, when you're doing, I don't want to compare mitzvahs, but the spacing out we do, let's say, when we shake lulav, is not the spacing out we do when, when we're davening. Right? We are... Unfortunately, right? It means Hashem, we should all use a sitter and we should all focus and when our davening. But the Yitzhahara gets us real good when we're trying to daven. Why? Because davening is so powerful. So that's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. When we daven, we try to use the text of the Shemona Esrei to refocus ourselves, use the text that Anshay Knesset gave us, uh, and kind of reorient ourselves so we don't get lost uh, during the day. Okay. Um, that's a bit about davening. I just want to do this quickly before I forget. Like, just like I mentioned, Dvarim is, is filled with small, simple, beautiful power lessons uh, from the like these individual psukim. Uh, so I just want to go through a couple of them. Uh, the Pazik says, like, just towards the beginning, um, right, we are clinging, we are, we are cling, clinging to a Gosh Baruch Hu, and we are all alive today. And then it keeps on going. And it says, uh, just to paraphrase, right? I've given you chukim and mishpatim that I've commanded you to, do, to follow the Torah in, in Eretz Yisrael that you're going to inherit. Right? You should do keep the Torah. Ki the Torah is your chachma and your bina, your understanding and your wisdom. To the eyes of all the nations. They'll hear these laws. They're going to say, Wow, how brilliant and understanding and intelligent is this nation. Okay, that's, I mentioned. How great is this nation that has all these great laws? Okay, like all of this Torah. Because I'll explain that, first of all, two things. First of all, why are we alive today? Why is Am Yisrael still, Baruch Hashem, more than kicking, uh, not because we're smarter or luckier or more ruthless, it's because we cling to Kosh Baruch Hu, right? Why are you Why are you alive today? Because we cling to Kosh Baruch Hu. Not because we have the best army, not because we have the best politicians, not because we have the best tech, not because we have the best fighters, not because we have a, I don't want to say that because that already gets political, whatever. Because we cling to Kosh Baruch Hu and His Torah. That is it. Similarly, likewise, when do Goyim respect us? When we keep the Torah. And sometimes they don't even respect us then, but that's the curse of Golos that we talked about in the Kinos, and that the Jews are hated by the Goyim for no reason. Uh, that's part of the Golos, that's part of the, you know, the exile. But if you're looking to gain the respect, 
It's because Rak Am Chacham Vanavonu Hagoya Gadol Azeh. When did the Jews respect us, says Moshe Rabbeinu? When when we're keeping the halachos, when we're keeping the laws of the Torah, when we try and fit in, we get mocked, we get scorned. Right? Rashi writes this right, in Pazit Tess. Right? When we try to be something that we're not, right, that's when that's when they uh, kind of kind of rip on us. But when we we keep to our own morals, right, to, to our own values, so then uh, then we have, we can we have a chance of getting their respect. Okay, just to keep on moving a little bit, right? The Pazik says, okay, in the, in the middle of the, uh, the Tishavav laning that we, lead, that we read, it starts in Perik uh, Dalet Pazik Hafei. He says that if the, once you're going to be exiled, right? So vavatam sham Elohim, it's not Elohim, it's Elohim. There you will worship idols, non right, non gods. Masayid the Adam, the, the that was created of the handiwork of man, as, they, as it says, right? Eitz uh, Evan, wood and stone, Asher lo Yerun, v'lo Yishmuun, v'lo Yichun, v'lo Yichun. Things that don't see, things that don't hear, things that don't eat, things that don't smell. So basically, Moshe promises that we don't keep the Torah. That Kosh Baruch Hu will exile us. We'll worship all these gods that we don't know. And, and as we mentioned when we talked about Baal Peor, it's very difficult to relate to Avodah Zarah nowadays. We don't have a strong taiva to bow down to a dude on a cross. It's just not a thing. Uh, but there's a phraseology in the pasuk that makes this hit a lot closer to home. What does the pasuk say? I try to just there you will worship gods. It doesn't say that are made out of stone and wood. It says there you will worship. Elohim Adam, that are made with human hands, right? Why does it say that? Right? We know, right, all these statues they talk about, right, like in the story by Avram, when he took the baseball bat and broke all the idols. We know, they're made out of stone, they're made out of wood, that was created by man. It's not just miraculously shown up on, you know, based on uh, lightning or something that's carving the stone. Obviously, it's Masayideh Adam, so why does it say that? So that's what we can relate to nowadays, that unfortunately, almost all of us worship Right, the creation of human hands. Whether it's your business that you've created that you worship, or you worship the creation of other humans, maybe movies, TV, maybe sports, uh, influencers on social media, whatever you quote-unquote worship in your life. What do I mean worship? I mean that you're committed to right, outside the realm of a healthy relationship. Right, It's healthy to have distractions and relaxations, and that's fine. But something that you are committed to that is m- more and outside the realm of a healthy relationship, and y- you could probably figure out exactly what it is in 10 seconds if you just sat and think about it. For me, it's the New York Mets, amongst other things. When you find yourself humming the Edwin Diaz niggin, and if you don't know what that is, that's fine. That means you do not worship the Mets as much as I do. So that's great. But <laughs> unfortunately... We all have that thing which we worship, the Masaya de Adam, the things that are created by human hands. We worship that in some form or fashion. Sports heroes, movie stars, business stars, we all have that some form of a Vodazara that we devote way too much time and energy to. Right? And that's what Moshe is saying. Do not, when you're in exile and you're in Gullus, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's exciting, that captures your attention, that is Elohim, that is like a God, that for some people, uh, politics, business, sports, all of that is Elohim Adam. It's the creation of, of, of human hands. Don't get caught up in that. Make sure you avoid that at, at all costs. Finally, just and then we'll get to a couple other Vortlach, uh, uh, but just I want to keep checking off these individual psukim. Um, and then after, when recapping Mahmoud Arsinai, uh, right after the Sarah Zedibros, Moshe reminds Ben Israel that he told them, right, Shuvu Lachem Now you can go back to your tents. 
What does that mean? So that means that, that uh, husband and, husbands and wives could go, go back to being intimate together because they had been forbidden for that for three days before Maimon Arsinai, right? so that everybody would be tohar. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, and Dafnan Tess, it's like an offhand comment, but it, it, it just mentions that that was a tzivui, that was a command to go fulfill pru uruvu once again, that people should have kids again. And if that's true, though, the language is curious. Right? I understand that Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to be tzanua, didn't want to be explicit, fine. But why does he say, Go back to your tents to fulfill pruruvu? Very fascinating. What, is that, what does that mean? So Rav Baruch Simon, who was one of the Rosh Hashiv at YU, he quotes Rav Naftali, Rav Naftali Kretzmer, who was apparently Rav Shach's Rebbe. I had never heard of him, but I'm sure he's not. <laughs> I'm definitely not, <laughs> not holding in all of, the, of that type of stuff. So he doesn't need my haskama. Anyway, so Rav Shach's Rebbe, Rav Naftali Kretzmer, says like this. It's, it's reminiscent of a Radak. The Radak says, when the Pazik says, Pruruvu, right? What's the double language? Why does it say Pruruvu? Right? We know the stupid English translation. Be fruitful and multiply. What in the heck does that mean? So the Radak says, Pru means to have kids. means to birth kids. Uruvu means to raise kids. So in other words, Pruruvu is not a commandment just to procreate. It's to raise them in a Torah lifestyle. If that's true, then you can understand why Moshe phrased it that way. Go back to your tents. Go back to your home because Chinuch begins at home. Uh, I, at the risk of, I don't know if it's controversial necessarily, but I, I like very often to ask the, the girls and, and the guys when I was teaching in yeshiva why they think that Jewish education in America primarily in modern Orthodox world, but definitely not limited to that. Why doesn't it really work? Again, this is speaking generalities, and I know I'm not ripping on anybody specifically, but I would argue, at least in my experience, and maybe you guys, I think you guys would agree, and most of the, most of the girls I speak to agree, that the majority of kids, and I obviously I'm sure a lot of kids do very well, but let's say the majority of kids, and obviously this is generalities, are uninspired, uneducated. I, every year, for example, I do this uh, Hanukkah quiz. Like, uh, if you remember, I did with you guys. I'm not sure if I did with you guys this year. I, don't, I actually don't remember. But it's like, it's Jewish trivia versus Goyish trivia. Like, secular trivia. Like, I, we have the first two pages are secular trivia, and then there's some Jewish trivia. And everyone knows the secular trivia, and nobody knows the Jewish trivia. And again, I think the kids generally are masculine, and they agree. That, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of, not all of it, a lot of the education is, is, is not working. And everyone has a theory from blaming, I, I like to listen to what the kids have to say. Some blame the school, some blame the teachers, some blame the parents, society, technology, Western culture. Frankly, if you ask me, I think it's just a mix of both, or not both, a mix of everything. Um, but almost every kid, fascinating, almost every kid I, I speak with agrees that when the message at home does not match the message the kid is getting in school, that's when there's a train wreck. Not a train wreck. That's when things don't work. Right? The chinuch begins at home, in the tent. Right? What our kids see us do, listen, you guys are, I know it's a year, two, three, at SM. Believe me, chinuch is not that far away from you guys. Right? What our kids see us do at home is what they're going to learn. What we think is important is what our kids are going to think is important, no matter what the teachers say at school. Right? Our kids are getting values from us, from the parents at home. They see you on your phone for six hours a day. They're going to think that the phone is the greatest thing of all time. And, and they may not be wrong, but that, that's what they're going to think. Chinuch begins at home. And that's just a message that, again, Allah Aleichem, right? The, for the fact that Moshe phrased it in that way to do Purifu, to raise Jewish kids, right? that starts in the tent. That starts, that starts at home. Okay. Uh, let's go on to a couple other psukim. 
the Pazik Torah, the Parsha seems to imply, uh, not imply, it says pretty clearly, uh, almost the same Pazik, almost the same Pazik phrased differently. It says, Raki right, Be very careful and guard your, your soul. And then it says a little bit later, right, if you later, right, you should guard your souls. Be very careful about your souls. Again, already writes that that's also talking about your physical well-being. Right, uh, we talk about that if you remember in Perek. Yes, I forget already. But again, what what extent do you take that? Right, that maybe you should just stay home and never go anywhere because you might get sick. And right, how far do you have to take that to to be very careful about your lives? So again, we explained that there's a difference between probability and possibility, right? If you guys remember that if something is probable that it's going to happen, right? If you go out in a snowstorm in shorts and t-shirt and stand out there for three hours, it's very probable that you get sick. So that's you shouldn't do. But if something is theoretically possible, then you have to have a money talk and then a coach Baruch who will take care of you, even if it's theoretically possible for anything to happen. Right, so if there's a one percent percent, so then we have to have a Munah be talking to Kosh Baruch. But if you look at the Psukim though, right, again, everybody use again, they quoted this by Corona, right, all the time. right, be very careful about your lives, and okay. True, Mr. says it fine. But if you would ask me, and if you look at the Pashup Shah of Sukim, it's not talking about your physical life at all. Right? Make sure you guard your Nishama. Right? If you look at the context over there, that, that is talking about worshipping of a Zara. Right? It doesn't say anything about staying healthy. Again, Chazal quoted, so it's fine, but that Pazik is Pasha is talking about guarding your soul against worshipping of a Zara. Right? The other Pazik, right? right? that's actually. Uh, a kliyakar. Kliyakar says, Yishamar lecha, right, the first part, watch over yourself. That's talking about your physical well-being. Ushmor nafshecha, right, watch over your soul, right, that's talking, obviously, about your spiritual well-being. Where does it say ma'od in that puzzle? Right, Yishamar lecha, ushmor nafshecha, ma'od. Right, v'nishmartem, ma'od, nafshecha. It's almost like the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to say, hey, listen, there are two things you got to watch over here, your physical well-being and your spiritual well-being. But what takes precedence? Right? Don't lose focus. Right? What's the true goal? As we did with the beginning of the the true goal is to get to the next world. Right? The spiritual well-being has to take precedence over the physical well-being. So if you're faced with a choice, for example, you have uh, an hour and you can either go running or you want to learn the Dafyomi. To take an example that's totally not relevant to my life at all. <laughs> What's more important for you to go running and learn the daf? Okay, I know someone who goes running and listens to the daf when he runs. Obviously, that's not the Iker Limud. He does that as Chazara. But okay, that's amazing. You can combine the two. But if you have a choice between something that will take care of your physical self and something that will take care of your spiritual self, you have to be careful. Right, you, have, you have to really make sure what to choose, What remember what the Iker is. Melech tells a story about Rav Hanan Wasserman. Hashem Yakum Domo, right? He was killed by the Nazis in the Holocaust. So he had a yeshiva, in his yeshiva, uh, one of the fathers of the kids, right, wanted to pull the kid out early right, to teach him a business, right, before he was, uh, before he quote-unquote graduated. I don't know if they had graduations back then. Before, before he spent all of his allotted years uh, in yeshiva. So, and, he, and the father was, uh, knew his stuff, right? He quoted all sorts of proofs, right? The Mishnah says in Perkeyavos, right? Perk Beis, Yafet HaMatorah Derech Eretz, that learning is good with Derech Eretz, with the Parnasa. And it says also, Kol Torah She'in Ima Malacha. 
sofa butla vagreres avon that all any Torah that doesn't have any work with it, so inevitably will get uh, uprooted and it'll even lead a person to sin. So the guy knew what he was talking about, but Rav Lachana said back to him, "Yeah, all those mamari chazal are nice, and that's true, but there's another chazal, right?" The, chazal, the halacha is that if Rahman al if, if a child, if a baby's brothers died because of the bris mila, right, the, the hemophilia, whatever it is, right, whatever it is, the kid is putter from mila. The kid does not have to get a bris mila. Right? Even a mitzvah as great as mila, right, that ordinarily comes with a chiv kares, right, if you don't fulfill that, right, chiv kares. But if there's a danger to the kid's life, then we don't do that great mitzvah. So, so too here. Again, back then, there's a serious danger to spiritual quality of life. If the kid left yeshiva to go into business too early, uh, nowadays it applies also, but uh, I would argue maybe not as much. Okay, either way, spiritual life is the same as physical life. Right? Then we have to make sure that that is also a priority. Right? And that, uh, you know, that we have to kind of take, again, we, we don't think about it necessarily, right? we, you know, unfortunately, because we're kind of caught up. And then Ramchal writes this as well. We're obviously caught up in our physical lives, but we have to make sure to focus on our spiritual lives as well. If a person's physical well-being is going to get away in their spiritual well-being, so we got to take that into account. And right? if, <clears throat> if you're, excuse me, if you're trying to get a job, that's going to pay you a great salary. Physical well-being, amazing. But it's not going to let you be as from or as home or as motherly or as modest as you want to be. So then maybe you should reconsider or figure out a way to do it that you can be as from as possible. It says Ramelech, you also <clears throat> have to see the danger coming. Right? The Pasuk says in Mishle, fascinating Pasuk. says, Leich el Nemala, go to an ant. And then it says, Re'ed and see its ways and become smart. So I'll go to town on that that uh, that pasuk. Talks to, uh, some talk about how see how much an ant works, see how much his ant is, an ant is orderly. He's always marching in a line. Melech says, "Check it out. When you when you see a line of ants walking, right, and you stomp your foot down, not in the middle. You don't want to kill anybody, but let's say very close to them, right. So they scatter, right. But a few minutes later, right, where they all could have been killed a moment ago in the same place, they go back because that's where they were going." Right? Even though a second ago you would have killed half of them. It says Ramelech, Shlomo Melech is telling you not to be like that ant. Right? The ant has no idea, right? The ant, or the ant is oblivious. But if you know a job or a neighborhood or a college or a place where many of your friends have already been trampled spiritually, so don't be like that stupid ant. Right? Don't and Go have the courage right, to make your own decisions, as we've discussed, right? and actively choose the best path for you. Right? Don't ignore all the warning signs. Make sure you're focused on your spiritual well-being, just like uh, you're focused on your physical well-being. Okay, a couple things I just want to mention in passing, then we'll finish up, because you can't do this without, uh, without mentioning them. First is Shema Yisrael. Kosh Baruch Hu, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Shema Yisrael, Shema Kenu, Shema Chad, Hafta, right? You guys are familiar. So if you look in the Sefer Torah, Obviously, you could say a lot of things about Shema Yisrael, but if you look at the Sefer Torah, there are two large letters in the Sefer Torah. Right? It's the Ayin at the end of Shema and the Dalet at the end of Echad. Right? So the, what's, what's the point of that? So the, the Ayin is there, so it's not an Aleph. Right? Those obviously sound the same, but if Shema is listen. And sh, with an Aleph, Shema means maybe, which would obviously destroy the whole point. Right? Maybe there is a God. That's probably not something we're trying to be saying. And at the end, Dalid is, obviously, Echad is Dalid. We don't want it to be a Resh, which would be Acher. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Akenu, Hashem Acher. There's another God. That's obviously not what we're trying to do. Says of Hirsch, the letters da, Aleph, the letters Ayin, excuse me, and Dalid together is the word aid or a witness. So when we say Shema Yisrael, we are witnesses to Kosh Baruch Hu's 
right, revelation right, on Har Sinai, that Hashem is a chad, right, as Moshe says, in Parshat Nitzavim, HaKadosh Baruch made the bris, right, with everybody standing there, uh, and everyone not standing there at Har Sinai. Again, it wasn't exactly at Har Sinai, okay, Medrash Tanchuma says that all the Neshamas were there, okay, he's not necessarily talking about Har Sinai specifically, right? but people have kind of adopted that. Uh, Gemara says uh, in Shavuos that all the future Geirim were there at Har Sinai, okay, anyway, long story short, all of us were there, when all of us, right, are, are witnesses, uh, to Mayor or Sinai. Shmai, that's what Shema Yisrael is saying. Right? As, as it says in our parsha, in old Milvado, right? there is nothing else. Kosh Baruch Hu is everything. Uh, and it says of Shimon Shwab, right? in the Sefer and Tefillah, that's why we cover our eyes. Right? To indicate, to, to try and exclude every possible argument for not accepting Kosh Baruch Hu. And God knows there are many of them. Right? To concentrate and focus on the singular truth that Hashem is one. So if you're struggling with Kriyashma and you're kind of like just running through it and not really focusing, if you need something to think about, when you put your hand over your eyes, so imagine being a witness, standing at Har Sinai and hearing God Himself say the first two commandments: Anochi Hashem Al Kacha, Lo Right? I am Hashem your God. Do not have have any other gods. That's Shema Yisrael, right? Shema Yisrael. That's what you should be thinking about if you if you don't have anything to think about right at the moment. Right? By Shema Yisrael, right? That's uh, and that's a tremendous source. That's the basic. Right? Kiyum of uh, of saying Shema and being Mekabel Ol Okay. Finally. I guess, sort of finally. Um, the Aftorah, every week by, uh, by Parshish Veschanan, is Nachamu Nachamu Ami, because it's a consolation, right? Veschanan is always after Tishabav. Uh, so the first line of the Aftorah is that Nachamu Nachamu Ami, Omar Elokechem. That uh, console, console my nation, right? Hashem says, console, console my nation. I think most people think that a Baruch, that, that means. Right, that be comforted. Jewish people, oh, you just had Tishavav, but be comforted, Kosh Baruch will take care of you throughout the Gauls, etc. Actually, and this is the, apparently the second Jewish gra- uh, Hebrew grammar vort that I'm doing today, which is probably two more than I've ever done in a shir, but what does the word Nachmo mean? It's, it's, a, it's a verb, it's a command. It says comfort. So what that literally means is comfort, comfort my people. Right? Yomara, God is saying, and what is he saying? He's saying to them through the Navi, to Bnei Israel, comfort, comfort my people, my nation, Am Yisrael. So Victor Miller explains, this is a command. This is a Kosh Baruch Hu saying, saying to us, go comfort people. Not, not necessarily Avelim, not Rahmar al people who are in mourning, but regular people. Right? We've mentioned, smile at people, take care of people, lift them up when they're down. Right? One of the ways to bring the Beis HaMikdash back is to increase our Bnei Adam Lechavero. So the Navi is not only telling us to be comforted, but Hashem is telling us to actively comfort other people. And that will help bring about the Bishamikdash. Again, we spoke about this before, right? Just being nice to people, or right? something that's free. Right? Again, we've mentioned it, but I just wanted to, I saw it and I just wanted to just throw it out there that that's the goal. That's the, the command of Nachmu, Nachmu Ami. Uh, and finally, finally, nothing to do with the Parsha, but since right now in Eretz Israel is Tuba'av, and the Gemara says at the end of the time that there was no greater day in the Jewish calendar than Yom Kippur and Tuba'av, and the Gemara there lists a bunch of things that happened on Tuba'av. One of the wonderful, amazing things that happened was that the women would go out to the fields dressed in white looking for a shidduch. They would uh, praise themselves, look at my beauty, look at my midos, look at my yichos. So I just want to leave everyone with a bracha. They should, they should find their shidduch speedily in their days. All right, everybody. Have a great, great Shabbos. And uh, we'll see you. Mitzvah uh, I hope, I hope.